Hi, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Tea with NSP. Last week, we had a special bonus episode for International Women's Day. Hopefully, you didn't miss it. And if you did, poor effort, you've missed me blabbing for an hour again. National Student Pride exists to empower LGBTQ students and provide opportunity whilst remaining free and accessible. The event and this podcast would not be possible without our sponsors. EY have been major supporters of our organisation for a phenomenal 12 years, moving with us across the country and continually affirming and representing their commitment to LGBTQ young people. We are thrilled that EY are returning as headline sponsors for 2021, enabling us to realise the fantastic and exciting content we have planned for the NSP Festival at the end of April. This week, UK drag race star Cheryl Hole and internet sensation Max Belliegde sit down for a chinwag about everything from social media success to coming out to troubles in the limelight. As a trigger warning for this episode, we do feature meaningful discussions surrounding the Ariana concert bombings. Stick around to the end to find out which social media stars are with us next week. Now, I fancy a biscuit. Hi, everybody, and welcome to uh, NSP's brand new podcast, The Tea with NSP. And this week we have, uh, well, firstly, we have the wonderful Ben Wardle, TikTok Hello, star. Hello, And then we also have the wonderful Max Belegde. Are we calling you Belegde? Okay, yeah, oh, we love that. Right. We love that. There's a little bit of mystery behind the name, but yeah. And also the wonderful Miss Cheryl Hall. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> so how is everybody? How is Christmas for everybody? Are we all having an emotional breakdown? Don't. My world was <laughs> thrown upside down, sideways, back to front. So I was planning to come up north on Sunday, but then Boris went, you better run. Because you've got eight hours, so a big fat run, and it were horrible. Have you run away anywhere, Cheryl, or are you staying home? I'm staying in Essex, I'm staying put, you can't get rid of me. So I'm not seeing my mum, this, obviously this accent's not from London. So what? No, <laughs> uh, so not going back. It's my mum's 50th this year, and she is fuming. Oh. She turned off her phone, she didn't talk to me for a day and a half. Oh, that sounds a bit dramatic. Oh. I know. And how does this make you feel? Last time we saw you, Cheryl, we were there, GAY Late, National Student Prize. We were there, you were on stage. This was before the word coronavirus existed. What's been happening for you in the time since? I don't know, like, take me back to death dropping on the little platform (laughs) in GAY Late any day of the week, (laughs) because, fuck me, I don't know how much more of this bullshit I can take. Do you know what? I am a hustling diva, so you can't keep a girl down. I will make any situation work. I'll put on a show in this bloody drag room. I'll do whatever I need to take, because at the end of the day, this is what I do. This is what I love. And drag, we are so lucky to live in this day and age that drag doesn't, just live on a stage anymore it is everywhere it's on every platform it's everywhere you look and yeah. I've just been so lucky this year to have been one of those queens that's been able to actually still work and whenever possible like if one of my friends put up their PayPal link I'd send them some money to look after them because who am I to sit here and be lucky to be able to pay my bills when my friends are having to move out their flats and not pay their phone bill like I want to help out wherever I can. It's like this Christmas, I've donated to as many food banks as possible because so many people are struggling. So 
I just don't understand that logic of people that are very fortunate and well. Like, I'm not saying I'm like rolling in it, but like I'm in a fortunate position that I want to be able to help look after people and provide for people. So people that don't, I just think you're a dickhead. Absolute wanker. Yeah. <laughs> like Natasha, the landlord. Oh, doc, do, do you know what? I spoke, mm-hmm. I told I told Ben this yesterday. You might not have seen. I've won. I've won. You heard about this, Cheryl. I've won. And so, something's gone wrong in t- TikTok headquarters because I posted the final video. I, about two weeks ago, I got an email from the, whatever, deposit scheme or whatever it is, saying we've reviewed the evidence. It took them, what, five months? And £45 would be deposited into my account. When I tell you, I bloody death dropped. We've never seen anything like it. And then I posted a TikTok about it and it got barely any views. So I feel like Natasha's up there somehow in TikTok headquarters, not wanting people to know. Don't stress Diva because IG, TikTok, they're just all after us. They really do. I I post a lovely picture of me in a new outfit and it's like, sorry, we don't care. (laughs) They just hide it from everyone. How are you finding TikTok, Cheryl? Is it your new, your new (laughs) passion in life? (laughs) Right. I started off strong. <laughs> I started off strong. You started off well strong. I saw a video of you, like, giving it big licks in the street. And do you know what happened? I just ran out of room in my flat. Because it started <laughs> getting cold. It started getting cold. And I couldn't go outside and twirl in the streets anymore. Have you got any tips, Max? Any? Absolutely none. All I do is chat shit. I, I can go days without posting. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, what if I did a series about how people can ruin their family's Christmas? Max, because you've done that whole problematic series in RuPaul. I feel like she's just watching constantly. Oh, like... yeah. That were ages ago. I did that when I very first started. Times RuPaul's Drag Race. I think I actually just did it about RuPaul. I'm not yeah. going to lie to you. I don't think I did it. I said Times RuPaul was questionable. Because he's. I just find RuPaul hilarious in that he just says the most bizarre things sometimes and does the most bizarre things. I watched this one interview and he was talking and he was giving like this massive inspirational interview about how everyone's on their own journey and like you can't sometimes like help people. You've just got to let them do their own journey. So he said, yeah, I used to live next to the Hudson River and one day I saw a man drowning in the river and I just thought, that's your journey. <laughs> and by the end of the interview, he didn't actually say whether the man survived. And I just think that's hilarious. Let's just be the positive divas and hope he's surviving and thriving. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Max is banned from season three. He definitely won't be a guest judge. That's done. <laughs> right, we'll go back. I would love to know, Cheryl, like, what were you like, 16 year old? Like, was the personality always there? Like, what, like, what were you... I, I want the image of Cheryl yeah. at 16. Right. Let's think. A bottle of Schwarzkopf, uh, blonde hair dye, uh, a moppy haircut, going, I'm Lukey Gaga and I'm a little monster. Raw. <laughs> 2010, I was 16. I don't feel like that's old. I'm old. I'm right. older than you, Cheryl. I'm 29. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, we're still in our 20s, hon. <laughs> clutching, clutching those 20s. So just for our student audience who weren't, you know, weren't higher than one foot in 2010, just tell us what the world was like back then. What? Simpler times. I mean, Gar- Gaga was slaying the game, Rihanna had red mm. hair, and uh, I was a big old a big old gay boy with a passion for fashion. I don't, no, I'm joking. I wasn't a brat still. <laughs> <laughs> I was just living my best life, just being the performing arts student, 
being the yeah. big old diva that I've always have been and just having a camp out time. Like was drag always there or was it just something you sort of like fell into or what? Oh God, no. Drag didn't come into my world like properly. I didn't I didn't get introduced to drag race till I was in university. And then that influenced a lot of my work that I was creating because I went to university at Middlesex and I studied dance but I specialised in choreography. So all the work that I was creating was being inspired by pop divas, but also drags. And at that point, I went, maybe I could stick dip my toes into it. I was going to say stick my toes into it. And I was like, oh. So it was just one of these things that sort of like happened. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Right time, right place and all that bullshit. So like, I don't ever like preempt anything. I put things out to the world but I never like make a plan. Like by 25, I'm going to do this. By 30, I'm going to do this. I just let everything happen. When I was getting ready for Drag Race and I'd sent my audition tape in, uh, I didn't check the views on my tape. I didn't. I wasn't getting consumed with seeing how many times it was viewed, whatever. I just was like, if it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. So I just let things fall as they do I I don't want to say I fell into drag I just quit my job and decided I want to do it age did you come out at then or like was it was it very obvious growing up or was it like a a big thing for you to come out let's just take one look at me and say (laughs) was it obvious no it was bloody obvious that I was my mum looked at me at two years old when I was trying to trot around in her little strappy heels from the wardrobe and her dressing gown and she went I see you I know (laughs) But I never really came out. It wasn't like a big thing. I didn't sit my family down. Like when I came back from university, I came back with a couple of friends that were in my halls and we did like a, a weekend in Essex. They were like, oh yeah, and Luke got with this guy last weekend. They were like, because <laughs> I never actually said it, but everybody knew. I was always just authentically me. There was no hiding or denying it. Like in my, lots of people get bullied year seven to year 10 year 11 mine was in primary school so I had the brunt of it then people started early on me but that made me have the thick skin so when I got to to big school people were throwing shit at me and I'd be like ain't faced ain't bothered and I just carried on being me what what were you Max like what were you did you have to come out in school or was that what I found weird so Cheryl said like it was like more issues in primary school for me I found that because when I was in primary school everyone was younger and when you're younger, you kind of like appreciated more for the things that make you different. Like I was fully like, I ran my own gymnastics like troop in school and I got all the football boys to do it. And I was like, take, I was like, right, you need to come in on your break. Like you need to help us out. Like we're going to put this routine together. And then it wasn't until I got to high school where all of a sudden like I walked in on my first day with my high pitched voice and my bob like right so who wants to do gymnastics everyone was like <laughs> fuck off and like people would like shout stuff at me in the halls um and then it wasn't until year 13 so last year of sixth form and then I was in the Ariana Grande Manchester um bomb concert but I was in that and I just remember after that being like right so you are gay as fuck like not not no two ways about it but you could have just died then and some like random boys that you've met in the middle, of the, in the night, middle of the night essentially know more no. about you than like your closest friends and family. Do you know what I mean? So well, then my plan was to go mm-hmm. to um, uni 
and like come out and I was going to come out just as soon as um, I was about to leave and then I wouldn't have to like face anybody and it was the sixth form leavers ball so I was like do you know what I'm not I'm going to grow some balls I'm not going to do it just as I'm about to leave I'm going to do it the day before the leavers ball in true gay fashion all attention on me and I walked in and I was like do you know what if you don't like it you don't have to like it but I'd obviously just bigged it up in my head because even like the straightest of straight lads were like do you know what like yeah like don't really you know don't really like gay people but like you're all right and I was like do you know what that's an awful thing to say but I'll take it as a compliment in this moment because I've not really got much else to take. Cheryl going to university was that like a well I guess you were quite yourself even in school but like was there a bit of a whole opening up even more when you went to university or like what was that like? Nobody had to be like, oh, are you gay when I got to university? Because no one gave a fuck. Like, you are just a person that's living in room 104 and just having a camp old time doing death drops in the kitchen. Like, I remember the first day. It was so exciting. Everybody got added to the Facebook group for, before, so you could speak to people in your halls. And we were, like, planning the first night, planning the party. Like, we're going to go to your kitchen, then we're going to go to your kitchen. I just remember it being so exciting, putting a face to the name that you've just seen on Facebook. And I think once you've had a couple of bevies, everybody's just up for a laugh and a great old time. But I just, I just had fun. Everybody had fun. Nobody really passed any judgment. Because I think everybody had grown up by then. And if there was any issues... I'd tell them to fuck off or I'd knock yeah. them out. I'm from Essex. <laughs> Where does that come from? Because, like, I'm a mouthy bastard and I still struggled with that a wee bit of, like, being able to go, oh, piss off. Um, like, where does that come from, being so strong? No choice other than to be strong because the minute you let your guards down you show that you're, like, vulnerable or whatever, people take advantage of that. And I have never wanted to be taken advantage of. So I've always been that strong one that's either strong for people or strong that I just show yeah. that yeah. It, I don't let things affect me and get me down. Under the surface, I am a very sensitive person. Like, I get very stressed very easily. Like, especially, like, nowadays when it comes to work. Like, if I've got a very quick deadline of getting things done and I just, like, start flapping and then, like... Hayden's like, you need to calm down. It's fine. But I let I let things get to me and then I go, wait, 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 wait. Calm down, reset, rewind, and then I carry on. But like, I just put that, it's like a switch. I flick it and I'm like, don't give a fuck. So I feel like people need to find that voice within them and yeah. say, look, I am a strong person. Out surrounding yourself with like-minded strong people as well that have got your back but will also remind you that you're allowed to be vulnerable but you've got to snap yourself out of it so actually same question to you Max because you like you had the balls to come out just before a big prom like mm. I, I yeah, came out I, I came out in a letter to my mum and ran away for a day like that's <laughs> um but yeah when I went to uni even when I came out, I remember I went to a festival with my friends. And like I said, I had a majoritively like lad straight group. So I remember saying to them, and this is awful that I even said it, but I used to say to them like, oh yeah, like I'm gay, but I'm like not a faggot. And looking back, 
that makes me want to crawl inside myself and just punch myself in the head. But I remember I used to say it just because it would make them be like, oh yeah, like, blah, 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 blah. like oh yeah, definitely. Like he's still one of us. Just I, I just had so much internalized homophobia literally built into myself. And I remember, so I first went to uni in Bristol, but it was like the first time that I ever went to like a gay club. And I just met people that just didn't give a shit. And like Cheryl said, you get there and you're all adults and you don't even have to tell people really, like when you meet them, cause it's just not an issue. And I just remember being like, whoa, like this is crazy. But then I did get a boyfriend immediately that was in the closet and straight. And that was just horrific. Definitely don't recommend doing that. Yeah, I yeah, ended up down some like dark roots, but then broke up from that relationship and then got another boyfriend. Um, this is a theme, by the way, multiple boyfriends. And he was very much like openly gay and like at peace with himself. And through him, I got to become more like like myself, I guess. I, I had a lot of internalized homophobia, used to walk around with like a Nike cap on, like all black, like rod man thinking I was solid. And then within a couple of months, I had glitter on my face every night and I was living at large. So can't complain, really. I must talk about that every single episode. I, I used to say the exact same thing. I used to say, I'm gay, I'm not poof. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm no, I'm no like that. And I'd, and then I was mm. like, no, love, you are like that. And oh, you're going, like that. I could be more much, like that if I tried. Yeah, and you're going to very much enjoy being like that. So I like, just like mm. accept it. We chatted about this last year. I mean, Ben, like for ages, uh, almost every week that we went to Weatherspoons. And uh, what so, going to say? <laughs> where's this going? No, just just about like finding yourself, finding who you are. And oh, for yeah. me, it was always about like weight. Like I was a little fat kid growing up, and I was like, so I could, I never really got the whole gay scene because it was you know it was skinny guys the whole image of it is a big muscly like adonis and then there's just we fat david from glasgow like they'll fit in here um but yeah so for a long time it was like that's not me don't like it kind of moved away from it but yeah even yesterday talking to like vinegar stroke she was saying the exact same thing like growing up she was like oh i'm gay but i'm no that gay and then Mm quickly realised we're all that gay. Both of you have become such strong, inspiring role models, though. That must be very rewarding. You know, you really are across different demographics in society, especially with, say, Drag Race Now, mainstream, BBC. That's a big breakthrough moment. And, you know, and then TikTok as well. You've both built those bridges and inspired a lot of young people. That must be amazing. We know the reach that Drag Race can reach to. And I'm always conscious of, like, I'm not editing myself, but I'm conscious of the audience that I can reach to. I'm not going to be talking about blowjobs and dildos the whole time. I do that with my close friends and when I know my audience. Like, I'm not going to sit there on my Instagram story just, I just got this clone zone order in. Oh, look at these puppies. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I've got, I've got 14 My biggest realisation of the impact that drag has on the world was when I did DragCon UK in London and there was these little kids queuing up to come meet me me of all people because they wanted to say thank you for inspiring them for me being a tit in a wig on telly every night Mm. like I never I never had a person in our community to look up to growing up uh I had Girls Aloud I had Gaga, I had those those kind of people to influence me and reassure me that you are going to be fierce, fabulous and not take any shit. But 
I didn't have any queer representation. You had people like Alan Carr and Graham Norton on your telly on a Friday and Saturday night, but yeah. there wasn't really people that you could go, that's my kind of person. And like, mm. that's what I love about drag queens and kings and anybody that does drag as an artistry. We're all friends. We're all sisters and brothers and we're all in this together. I think everybody in the LGBTQIA community needs to come together and realise we are all in this together. There's no that group and this group and this group and this group. We are one. We are all. We are a community that has a lot of shit thrown at us. And we have to say we are stronger in numbers because the minute you start counting out the bisexual community, the transgender community, people that are questioning and say, oh, well, they're not actually part. They are. Mm -hmm. allies are part of our community because we are stronger in numbers and we need to come together and give two fucking fingers out to the world to the people that want to shut us down is there a piece of advice you find yourself repeating again and again like what is cheryl's top tips on being a diva you know and being the icon that you're born to be two different types of advice to <laughs> queens that are starting out yeah. i'd say be on time be professional and acknowledge every single person in that room. You don't know that that person in the corner of that room that you think is just one of your uh, uh, the other performer's friends, that's somebody that could have booked you for a big show in East London. Like, you don't know what they're like. And if you stroll in being a fucking... Like, there's a difference between a diva and a diva. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a diva. Yeah. Like, it, it's embodying everything about being the true star that you are and then there's being a diva which has been a fucking prick like <laughs> don't don't keep people waiting don't make stupid ridiculous demands don't take the piss like if you're given three drinks tokens take them and say thank you don't go oh is that it that's just being rude and then to people that are growing up and finding their voice I always say to them if if life is shit it's always going to get better from here and I say I say to them don't don't let anything get you down just be whatever you want to be and have fun I always say you've got to have fun in life that's it for me in yeah. terms of like the response from other people it's been Proper mad because obviously, unlike you know, like Cheryl went on a TV show, she was there, like, oh, I know that this is going to come out. For me, I didn't have a clue what was going on. I was just talking about stuff that I like, and then over, like, literally, like overnight, random stuff was happening to me. And then, like, it went from me just purely, I'm not even going to lie, just chatting shit. <laughs> Some of the stuff that I post, absolute chatting out my ass, but then. I, I, I said to Ben yesterday, I've just got so much knowledge of stuff like The Real Housewives, like my favourite TV show growing up was Glee, like like a knowledge about like girl bands, like random like things in pop culture history and stuff. Um, for me, when I get like emails from people that are like in New Zealand, in like India, in like Africa saying like, I listen to your podcast, like, I can relate to your story, like this, this and this it's literally mind-blowing like I literally get people messaging me saying I just came out to my parents after listening to you talking about you you're coming out on stuff um like I did an episode of my podcast with Tag Warner the CEO of Gay Times and we were talking about coming out and I said that on the day that I came out I watched uh, World of Wonder had just put out 
a video of some drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race talking about the coming out stories because I was literally just searching like coming out video. I'd watch like Troy Savan's coming out video and stuff like that just to like hype myself up. And then I came across this one and what was that drag queen from season seven? I can't remember her name. She like her, she told her story and it was so similar to mine, I think. She, I, she just gave some like really good advice and literally I watched that and then I was like, right, you can do it. And I pressed send on Facebook. So to think that, somebody is sat at home listening to my podcast and then it's given them that because I know how much that means to me and like Tempest du Jour probably just like just did it like they asked her to do it just did a little story probably didn't even think that much of it but it may like who knows if I didn't see that I may have literally not done it and we might not be here today and it's the weird little things like that that literally I sit there at night just like reading over emails and I'm like this is just like the wildest thing in the entire world to me like it literally coming from chatting bear shit to suddenly making a difference in some people's lives is like whoa listen they love listening to people talk absolute shit because it takes away from the stresses in their lives and just gives light-hearted humor so like if you can do that and have a message at the same time you're onto a winner when the chicken dinner yeah it is it's it's wild like it is it's probably like one of the things that i'm most proud of because especially i just started the podcast just because as, as an extension of being able to chat shit. And then I didn't even realize in the first episode, I just told the story of like my, basically my life, like everything about me from like birth to date. And even that loads of people were like, I'm from a small town. Like I had multiple problems with like family members when I came out. So I like briefly talk about that. And it can just like, you don't realize it can help people. Like I look back on some YouTubers that I used to watch and they used to get me through like such tough times. So like I say, it's weird to think that I could be that for somebody else. And it's just like really cool, I guess. What's your thing that like got you through that whole like coming out and realizing you were gay point? It was probably like gay TV shows, probably like RuPaul's Drag Race. Cause I discovered RuPaul's Drag Race whilst I had a girlfriend. Picture this, guys, I'm really, I'm, I'm thinking everybody around me is a bit thick. I'm not gonna lie. I had a girlfriend I was doing art, A-level. I was one of two other people, no, one of three people in the whole school that picked art, A-level. And I was studying, the one time that we got to pick what we did, I picked gender. And then that's how I found out about RuPaul's Drag Race. I'd never heard of it before. And I just decided, because I just thought one day, like, isn't it weird that just based on, like, how we look like they've invented this idea of what gender is and then didn't realize there's like whole art forms based on it and everything whole tv shows whole people based on it and then I was like oh this is actually quite cool so I discovered RuPaul's Drag Race whilst I had a girlfriend I remember being in bed with her um fully clothed don't worry everybody um saying like oh there's this new tv show like you should watch this and she was like oh no that seems weird and then I thought oh no who the bloody hell do you think you are and that's probably when I decided to break up with her <laughs> things like that that I remember because I used to be so scared of the thought of being gay like I dream- I genuinely thought like you come out as gay all your family would disown you like I'd never seen gay people walking around where I was ever I'd never seen gay pride I'd never seen anything so I was so scared of it so, so to then see all these people like I specifically remember um I think it was like Fifi O'Hara or something said that like like her dad like beat her up and everything and like fully like they got disowned and everything and I was like oh my god but like you've you've been through all that and you're all right 
and now you've found like a boyfriend you've got a family and like you didn't need all that like just because you've spent your whole entire life around these people doesn't mean that they have to be in your life forever and that you have to live your life for them and like watching programs like that was the biggest like eye-opener to me I just remember thinking that I would literally like picture certain people off the show in my head and be like they like I'm worried about like just sitting in my room and posting it on Facebook like they're they're fully getting beaten up they're getting this done to them that done to them like they can get through it and still be absolute legends then you can also be a legend Cheryl um in terms of like drag growing up like did were you did you have an affinity towards like Lily Savage or anything like that or like drag before like RuPaul or was it just sort of as you say when you started kind of looking at it when you're in dance growing up I used to go to Panto all the time and I just I didn't even think anything of it I was like oh well that's just the dame that's the Panto dame like I never really thought too much into it and then as I got older you'd think of drag as like your baggers in in like a pub in like a sparkly dress singing I am what I am like you just <laughs> that's what it is I think drag in the UK has grown and evolved so much because of drag race it's shown it's shown UK queens that you can have a contemporary approach towards your drag because I never thought I'd be able to do it I'm not a singer we all know that we've all heard me it's not going to happen you ain't going to get a single out of me <laughs> I mean, unless you want fucking torture, then I'll provide. <laughs> but I never thought I could do that. I always wanted to be like a Britney or a Girls Allows or a Gaga doing a world tour and a huge production. And I thought, well, I'm no singer. I'm never going to be able to do that. And through drag, I realised that I could do yeah. what I've always wanted to do my entire life. So I'm very fortunate for Drag Race for showing people that mainstream approach well not even mainstream that contemporary approach towards drag and putting it in the mainstream market for everybody to realize what you do is fucking special one of the questions that we always ask on the podcast is like if you could go back to being 16 17 would you change anything and if not what advice would you give like people ask what would you change about your time on drag race nothing because that's where i was in my life that was my approach to everything and that's that's how you grow as a person so i i didn't have any like traumatizing experiences that i'd be like don't do that like like i always wore a condom (laughs) (laughs) any advice i'd give is just don't don't wait for things to happen just just do them like just roll with it like i i didn't go to my first like gay night until i was like almost leaving my hometown and i was like why is it taking me this long to go to chicago's on a sunday night like mm. what what is what is taking this long and uh, there was a there was a venue called smiths which was up Malstrom street in chelmsford and it was like the the cutest little like gay bar but it needed a shirt, but it got bought out by somebody, so it closed down. And that was like the only LGBT venue that was in like a twenty mile radius. So it was a it was a bit of a heartache, and I just wish I went there more, got my people, started my family then. Because I'm not gonna lie, if you if you're a struggling LGBT person, you need to surround yourself with like-minded people that are just going to uplift you as a person i'd say for me again i don't i don't think i would 
change anything because like Cheryl said it's led you to where you are now like I look back and I thought wow you were really dumb for doing that like when I like when I first went to uni um in Bristol within three days like I said I latched onto this boy that was straight at the time and like put everything into him and then not in a weird way um and then <laughs> and then, um but like, I, I literally like, gave all my time like devoted to him and then he mugged me off after like three months um and like told everybody that like nothing ever happened between us and that I was like a psychopathic liar basically but then that led to me like realizing oh maybe like constantly chasing after straight boys isn't a good thing and it's also ruined your uni experience so then I decided to go to Newcastle uni and I went in full force focused on making friends focused on my degree focused on doing things that bettered me as a person and it's like I could look back and be like I was a complete dick wish I didn't do that but then I might have never gone to Newcastle might have never like I definitely wouldn't have ended up moving to London ultimately because I ended up meeting um, a boy whilst I was on my way to Newcastle that lived in London that then led to me um, realising, oh, London's not just like a big Ben and a big fat eye rolling around. It's actually got something about it. So like, let's go down there. And now I live there and I'm absolutely loving life, even though I can't do anything. But like everything does happen for a reason. And if I change something, I'll be worried that I wouldn't have been led to where I was, well, where I am now, so. Would your younger self believe where you are now? Would 16-year-old Cheryl think, I'm going to be on BBC Breakfast and Celebs on the Farm? Yeah, you'd be knee-deep in pig shit. I wouldn't have believed, Cheryl. But you know what? We're rolling with it and we're having a damn fun time. And so grateful for these opportunities. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I just, I, I look back and I go, I can't believe you did all that, but it's fabulous so you just got to keep because you've got to say yes to everything yeah. because you don't know that could be the last time somebody asks you no even at that point though but like you are a drag queen on these shows like that's massive do you know what i mean like you're one of the like first people that are doing these shows i know we said joke but like the farm thing but like you are still there representing of so many people that was a total you know, side avenue of society like 20 years ago. I know we're prime time. To me, you'd be on the same channel as Lady Gaga on MTV. I'd be like, you're shitting me. Nah. <laughs> but I'm somehow there and I'm just like, just grateful for the opportunity. For me, like advice wise, uh, wait, no, what was the question? What What would I, would I believe I am where I am now? Yeah. Was that the question? No. I think I would still be here. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I'd like told myself like you're gonna get uh, like you're gonna have a wife like everything. I'd fully like set. I was like, I'd, I'd have a wife and kids by now. I'd be working at co-op. I won't be doing much. I'm not gonna lie. When you both go home, what's it like? Do you know what? I've I've moved ten minutes down the road from where I used to live. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I mean, I do get spotted in Aldi, and I think that's as big as it gets. <laughs> Oh, for me, nah, um, nah, my mum's just like, what, what are you even on about? My mum hates it all. People come up to her in town and they're like, oh, like, I, I, I listened to Max's TikTok, like, I heard this story about you, I've listened to his podcast, and she's like, oh, don't, she's like, don't tell me, I don't do social media. The only thing that's changed for me is, like, if I go out to, like, a club or somewhere in London, like, someone will run over to me and, like, tell me a story about myself that I forgot that I told on the podcast and I'm, and I'm thinking how the bloody hell do you know this but then I remember and it's all good and especially for you Cheryl because you have been 
working hard at your craft for years. So it must be amazing now to be on that platform. But actually, you've been working away for years. Whereas I'm not being dismissive of TikTok, obviously not. But it's I am. Being a different kind of um, fame. It's overnight. But there's even queens these days that are coming up so quickly because they're learning even quicker. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm not a YouTube tutorial kind of diva. I can't sit there and learn something. Like if I watch something, it just doesn't process in my brain. So I I was very slow at get going with my makeup, but also I was finding my feet first. And like, I think what started me off well was I was a hustling diva performing hard. People didn't really care what I was wearing or what I had on top of my head or my face because I was turning it out on stage. Mm -hmm. Whereas some queens are so driven and focused by the Instagram aspect of drag and like going to clubs and turning a look. My my main goal and aspect when it comes to drag is just getting on that stage and turning it out. So I did the hard graft. Yeah. I was in the club six nights a week. Mm -hmm. Even if I wasn't there, I'd be there networking, yeah. chatting shit, letting people know that I was here and on the scene. Whereas girls post an Instagram picture these days and they're already on people's wavelengths. So it's definitely changed in the last couple of years. I never obviously went into this. Like, it's kind of the opposite for me. It's not like something that I've been, I was like putting loads of effort in or like, this is going to be my career or something. And I've got like a whole, I have a full-time job outside of this. Um, and it just randomly happened based on me just being me. Like, I remember my friends told me because um, a lot of people, me and Ben had this discussion yesterday, a lot of people put across this like online persona that yeah. isn't actually them in an effort to become like an influencer, like to make money online or something. Whereas I just went into it and I remember my friends being like, when I started to get followers, they were like, so weird because you're just putting on TikTok the stuff that you usually put on your Snapchat story. And I'm like, yeah, because that's like, I, I couldn't imagine like doing it any other way because it would just, I, I don't know, I just wouldn't be able to like summon like a, a anything out of me if you get what I mean and I've obviously had like offers from like like random like companies to do some things and stuff but I've just thought I'd rather just thought I don't want people to be like oh he's just like like advertising this candle or something and like he doesn't like blah 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 so I'm like I'd rather just <laughs> I'd rather just like wait until it's something that like number one gives me a shit ton of money cause do you know what I mean um, or number two is something that I'm genuinely like, oh, yeah, love that. Really, like, definitely use that. And um, in the meantime, I'm just having fun. Is there anything that you guys want to plug before we finish up? Coming early 2021. Coming. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got my podcast. Um, it's called A Little Bit of Beleg Day. If you want to spell Beleg Day, just search up Jesse Nelson <laughs> Jamaican accent and it'll come up and you'll get it instantly. Fantastic. Well, um, thanks so much for being on. David, thank you, Gorge. Thank you so much. Lovely thanks chat. So much. Bye. I love hearing about the behind the scenes of Drag Race and Max is just the sweetest. Next week, we have our very own TikTok and YouTube talent, Ben Wardle, and social media star, the lovely Ollie O'Toole. They discuss how lockdown has affected them, why university may or may not be the right choice for some, and shared some fun stories about their time on social media. If you'd like to hear more from us, don't forget to grab your tickets for our week-long festival starting April 19th, 2021, where you'll get to hear and see even more of our madness. 
Join me next week where I'll probably be just as fed up with lockdown, just as queer and just as sick with these four walls. Bye! <laughs>